folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch the baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here, and uh, joining me on the show, as always, ESPN's Courtney Cronin. What's up, Courtney? Just trying to stay focused on football right now. Just trying to keep my keep my blinders on and, and, and focus on the football. You know, it has been uh, the hardest time in the entire history of the nation to just stick to sports, but that's... What we have to do, I suppose, that was uh, even harder with a pandemic going on and all the things that happened uh, this year to do that. But we did it and we made it to the end of Viking season and we had another Mike Zimmer end of season press conference. And there are two press conferences a year that I legitimately look forward to because they are insightful and they are interesting and they are Mike Zimmer at, in my opinion, his best. And that is at the NFL Combine, where he's mm-hmm. usually relaxed and he's moved on from the frustrations or successes of a previous season. And then uh, he's kind of looking forward and he's often uh, very insightful about how the team thinks about things. And we learn a lot at the Combine. Hopefully there is a Combine. Hopefully we have some access to that. We'll see how that goes. But the other one is the postseason press conference. And this one was a little different because it's via Zoom and it didn't have mm-hmm. the same type of feel to it, but I also thought that there was some introspection from the head coach of the Vikings and uh, some news that broke of moving on from Marwan Maloof and uh, a number of other things that he addressed that are key issues going forward. So maybe we could just start with your thought on what the most interesting thing to come out of Mike Zimmer's mouth the other day was. Well, I think the most interesting thing was the fact that he finally admitted that he miscalculated how the defense was going to handle all of the changes uh, from last off season. His exact quote was, I probably miscalculated some things going into the season when we lost all the guys that we lost the year before. And then he goes on to list the two corners, the nickelback, the backup safety, the backup defensive end, starting defensive end, the starting nose tackle. Like we've been saying this, you and I have been saying this. Others on the beat have been saying this since, March of last year, when in a matter of a week, you have nine players leave in free agency, some that you cut, some that you pushed out the door, and others that you just weren't planning to keep anyways. Um, it's just like, because it makes you think when, when you know, I, I know a lot of people are still not up in arms, but like still a little irked by the maybe seven and nine was 
all we like, you know, paraphrasing here, maybe seven and nine was the best we could do quote that he ended his Sunday press conference against Detroit with. Mm-hmm. And then you go a couple of days later and you say, well, maybe I miscalculated it. Like there's a couple of things that don't line up there because that makes me think, should they have changed their approach? If they are admitting now that they miscalculated it, why couldn't they see it in the moment when it was so clear to everybody else? That's just kind of like where I, it, it just feels very disjointed because, you know, I was always told die with the lie. Um, you know, if, you, if you believe something, just hold on to it till, till the end. And I was honestly kind of surprised to see that Mike Zimmer kind of reneged on that and like went back on what he said. Um, and because for so long they were trying to paint a different picture of this team. And then when they came up short, now they can admit that they miscalculated it. That didn't make a whole ton of sense to me. So uh, I was thinking about the what it means to be um, or to miscalculate because that's a word that you and I used a lot throughout the season, and we sure. uh, accused them of that. And for Mike Zimmer to say it in a way, it was sort of refreshing because oftentimes he will have a long list of explanations and sometimes they don't always point the finger in the mirror when it comes to Mike Zimmer. Sometimes it will be, well, it was John Filippo. Well, it was the injuries. Well, it was X, Y, and Z. And of course, yes, he mentioned the players leaving. He mentioned the injuries at one point where he added up the number of players that were gone for X number of games and, and that sort of thing. And there's some legitimacy to that. But I think that uh, the miscalculation was not that those players couldn't be replaced because the production of Everson Griffin, Linval Joseph, Xavier Rhodes, Mackenzie Alexander, and Trey Waynes, the production in 2019 was just okay across the board from them. And in some cases like Xavier Rhodes, bad. Uh, So could those players production have been replaced? Yes, but not with the group that they had. And I think the miscalculation, and I want to know who you kind of point this at is in trusting players that they already had sample sizes on. And in my view, should have known that it wasn't going to work. Um, I'm going to give you the list here. And I I alluded to this in another episode with uh, Sam Monson, but I didn't go through the whole list. I'm going to give you the list here of players that they had a sample size on at least one season to evaluate, and they trusted for very big roles. Afadi Adenabo, Jaleel Johnson, Jalen Holmes, Armand Watts, Holton Hill, Chris Boyd, Hercules Mata'afa and Mike Hughes was trusted for a huge role, but of course got hurt for the third time in three years or, or whatever it is. And uh, I'm just going to go through it, the mm-hmm. rankings of where these players ended up by PFF. So Afadi Adenabo was 41st among defensive ends that were starting defensive ends. Jaleel Johnson, 71st out of 71 starting defensive tackles. Yep. Jalen Holmes, zero sacks, 109th out of 124. Armand Watts, 79th out of 139. Holton Hill, 123 out of 136. Chris Boyd, 84th out of 136. And Hercules Mata'afa, 61st out of 124. And, of course, Mike Hughes didn't play enough snaps to even qualify. So, you know, the way I look at it is who is to be blamed for that? Is it the general manager in the front office for saying, hey, we've given you these players through the draft and development. Now, develop them is it the coaching staff for not demanding uh better players or cutting those guys or what i i i I don't know i think it's a a a cumulative effort to get to that point where those players came up short because and i don't mean to just kind of go off the deep end here but i mean they drafted jalen holmes when he had no sacks in college 
I mean, what did you expect him to do in the NFL? And then you saw him do nothing the first couple of years. What did you expect him to do when he got a, a job in the NFL? Like, you know, that's, I think that's the case for a lot of players. No, I agree with you. And I think that they took their backups this year. All these other guys were backups at one point. They took their backups and made them be starters. So yeah. they didn't have backups then. Like, because then your backups, which would have been like an Armand Watts, was not ready to be a backup yet, not ready to be more than just a bare rotational player. Um, and even he was playing more than he probably should his second year when he was, you know, a very green player when they got him out of Arkansas, um, a six-round pick who, you know, had only played really one season of college football, and now he's, you know, in a much bigger role in the NFL. Like, it's not his fault, but I agree with you that it's a cumulative effort that we got to this point with the Vikings because what happened? They didn't have enough money in free agency to go out and make big um, you know, big splash and, and, you know, bring somebody else in, go sign a veteran defensive end, go sign, um, you know, a Snacks Harrison, uh, something like that. I mean, they spent their money on Michael Pierce, but he opted out, whatever. But this, we knew this was going to happen in the 2020 offseason, dating back to when Anthony Barr signed his, you know, deal when he, you know, jettisoned the Jets and said, I want to stay in Minnesota. And the Vikings, he took a pay cut, yet the Vikings kind of overpaid for him because they weren't going to do that initially. They were ready to move on. He wasn't in the plans. Um, and so I feel like the financial decisions that they made from 2018 on have put them in this position where they were never going to be able to get top-tier free agent talent to replace guys that even Mike Zimmer said, you know, you've been here for seven years. You're going to have turnover like that eventually. You had guys who were on the other side of 30. And – you know, players like Xavier Rhodes, like it, it is kind of amazing when I do that case study between who was the problem, Rhodes or Mike Zimmer. Look at how he's playing with Indianapolis. Look who he's going to be lined up against in the wild card round against Buffalo. It's kind of telling. You know, Diggs Rhodes matchup in the postseason, I'm here for it. So I just, I just look at this whole thing and think that everybody kind of played a role in miscalculating it. But from the players' perspective, um, None of these guys were supposed to be starting anyways. I mean, the one that you could probably say would would have been, like, by now, like, it's on you at this point, is Mike Hughes. Because, and that's not, you know, I know you can't blame guys. You cannot fault people for getting injured. But, like, it falls on somebody here. It's Even if it's not your fault, it's still, like, you got injured. That is the reason that you're not playing. It's not some, you know, something created out of thin air that's the reason you're not playing. You got hurt. And they can't trust you because you're hurt all the time. And, the best availability is or best ability is availability. You don't have that. You know, Holton Hill, for example, like he just, you know, that was, they gave him a long leash. So that's also on him because, yeah. you know, the, the development part, you're not able to develop if you're constantly suspended and you're dealing with off the field issues. And I mean, he had a foot injury this year. They put him on IR. He's on the commissioner's exemplist for like, just to be able to get around the roster rule. And then all of a sudden they release him. So I don't know. I, I think it's a situation that in, you know, in, in the bottom line is that this is a front office and a coaching problem, but you really, you know, the, these coaches knew you can't, they tried to sell us on the fact that these guys were starting caliber players and they can do things, but you know, they knew that what they were dealing with, they just, you know, out of respect for them, they didn't want to throw these guys completely under the bus and, and run the bus over them and be like, they're terrible. These are not starting caliber players. They were, 
right. they're do, making the best of, the, of what they could with a really not so great bunch. And, and so as we pick apart what Mike Zimmer means to say that they miscalculated, I also think part of that is Michael Pierce opting out was a heavy crutch for them. I mean, they leaned on that a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was in every sentence of, well, Hunter got hurt and Pierce opted out. Here's the thing about Pierce opting out that's problematic and about the Hunter issue too, about leaning on that and then miscalculating. Um, Pierce gave you cap space and you didn't use it to fill the spot that he left. And, and, and so even though Pierce wasn't here, him opting out also gave you an opportunity to do something else and you didn't do it. Um, you trusted players like Holton Hill, as you mentioned, that, had not shown anything at any point. I mean, a couple of games, a couple of throws against in 2018 was it for him for a sample size. And you said, yeah, you're our starter from day one. I mean, that like you had some money to work with and you decided to pour it into Yannick Ngakwe and take it from Riley Reef. And so that's a miscalculation too. And I think that if Zimmer comes out and says our front office miscalculated, then we've got serious drama, but there has to be something in there as well to say when Pierce gave you that cap space, you didn't use it to replace him and you trusted players that how did you not know? I mean, how did you not know that Shamar Stefan and Jaleel Johnson couldn't hold up for 16 games? I mean, they could barely hold up for a game or two games against mediocre opponents when they had to do this in previous years. And now you're asking them to do it against the New Orleans Saints in New Orleans with that offensive line. I mean, what did you think was going to exactly. happen? Exactly. Well, Sorry, the, go ahead. No, the Jaleel Johnson thing's a great example. This is his fourth year. He's not coming right. back next year took you four years to like realize that you couldn't trust this guy to be your three technique and that like this was not going to work out. Like, I can't believe that. Like they knew long before this, that that was not the right fit at that position yet. They went with it anyways. And I can't fully blame the coaches because they're not the ones who are making roster decisions with this group. And Andre Patterson's trying to do what he can with his defensive line group, but he's only able to do what he can with who they give him. So I, I don't really understand a way around that, but you know, all of that said, how, how did you expect the result to be any different? Like right. you couldn't, you couldn't, like, you can't tell me, you can't, you know, you, you just can't tell me that it was supposed to be any different than the way it turned out because you'd be lying to yourself. If you thought that you could really like force a square peg into a round hole here and something that wasn't going to work to begin with. Right. And uh, the defensive end point, there's another point there about the rushers is if you keep drafting guys who don't sack anyone in college because they vaguely reflect Daniel Hunter athletically. Sure. And, I, and I do mean vaguely because he is one of the, I mean, all time NFL combine performances. And so when you draft, and I don't know what will happen with this guy, but DJ Wanham to me is not a huge part of the future for this team. Uh, that's a, that's a guy who, and, and he could prove me wrong. He definitely could, but he's a guy who didn't sack anyone in college and didn't sack anyone in the NFL. And Jalen Holmes didn't sack anyone in college. Like if these guys, it's sort of like a quarterback who has a, you know, 45% completion percentage in college. Like it might work out and every once in a while it does. But for the most part, are you trusting that guy? If he's not accurate in college, he's going to be accurate in the NFL. It's the same sort of thing. Hunter is an outlier because he is one of the most athletic freaks. And he's also really bright dude who puts a ton of work into his craft and he was able to maximize that in the NFL. But if you think that you're just going to draft guys in the fourth round over and over again and have to rely on them, 
that's going to be a miss. So when I think about this defense and, and how it ended up, how it ended up, I mean, I look at much more of the front office and how it was put together than anything else, than the way it was coached or schemed, because I don't think there's an answer for getting your butt whooped up front. Um, I, I think that it was the front office believing in a lot of the players that they drafted. And we know this has been a criticism before of this team that you just keep running Pat Elfline out there over and over again, right? Because you drafted them. And so you got to do that. That's the, the same sort of feeling with, I mean, if they played Watts all season and not Johnson, it's not going to be different. Um, but it's, hey, well, we got to keep playing the guy that we drafted. And then it all ties into when you put your money into five people. This this is the thing that everyone, in my opinion, should take from the Patriot way. The Patriot way shouldn't be some goofy, weirdo culture thing where you're mean to everybody. It should be that you are smart and wise with your money that, you know, when Jamie Collins wants a massive contract, you're like, nah, we can replace Jamie Collins. So let's let him go and spend that money on three other free agents instead. Um, that's what the Vikings didn't do here. So I think that I, I don't point this and say, Oh, Mike Zimmer forgot how to defense. I, I don't think that I, I think that they just tried to, put um, a bunch of guys out there and hope and pray for a Hail Mary and uh, the Hail Mary came short. Yeah. I mean, there was nothing like Afadio Denebo made that comment on Monday that, and I think he was honestly the most poignant one that spoke of any of the players doing their extra interviews. You know, he was angry and he was not happy with the way that things ended up this season. And, And for him, you know, knowing not knowing really what his future holds like I think that was a good embodiment and some other guys were like no I'm excited we have so much to build on yay I'm like no no like that's that's not I I think for that fan for this fan base doesn't yeah of course you want to have some sort of like tangible uh belief that the team's going to get better and all that and have signs that point to it but all of that said um I I really appreciated the raw honesty when he mm-hmm. said the comment about, you know, championship teams, it's not a matter of who's there and who's not, like they find a way to get it done. And yes, that is a little short-sighted because it is incredibly difficult to form a championship roster when you don't have elite players to do it. That's just, you can't, no, no championships ever been won by backups. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's just, you know, they, they're backups who play a very important backup role, but not as starters. So there really wasn't much that they could do with the crop that they had. They didn't go after the free agent pieces to help fix this. Instead, like you mentioned with Pierce, like, you know, the, the, the smoking gun to all of this, like you and I have talked about multiple times of pointing to the fact that they did believe they were all in was going to get unique in Gakwe. Right. And you paid, spent $6 million for like six games for him to be here for two months. And – what did that yield you? Absolutely nothing. So they they just miscalculated some of these some of the important moves. They had a knee jerk reaction to certain things, which made them pull the wrong lever. And then there's nothing like nothing you can do about it at that point. Like you know, I just I, I you know it, it brings me back to like you know the draft. If you didn't. If you didn't get so greedy with your draft capital, would Trent Williams be here? Would Ezra Cleveland, would you even have drafted him? Would you have been able to do something else? I mean, Trent Williams was a number one graded left tackle mm-hmm. by pro football focus this season. 
And I'm not saying Riley Reef. I mean, Riley Reef had an above average, yet again, an above average season. He's a middle of the pack offensive lineman. He's really good for this team. I honestly mm-hmm. think, you know, that they should extend him because he's got a high cap hit next year. You really don't want to cut him, I think, at this point because it seems kind of non committal from talking to Gary and Mike about yeah. what they want to do with Ezra Cleveland. So mm-hmm. I think that's a smart thing to do. But felt like a lot of times this offseason, they got a little too much cart before the horse mentality with some of the moves. Franchising Anthony Harris and then having the intention of trading him. You never really were going to, you were never going to extend him. You were never going to give him a long-term deal. You wanted to trade him. Giants were interested. Cleveland was interested. You weren't interested in what the offer was back. Same thing with Trent Williams in the draft. Like, you had a chance. You were one of the front-running teams going into Friday. And then what? So, I don't know. I'm. It's To me, it's more than just kind of like what happened in training camp and then beyond. And, like, once, you know, we found out there was going to be a season and the opt-out and everything else. It's more than just the injuries. I think this goes all the way back to, you know, just around this time last year when they're trying to construct this roster, knowing damn well that they were going to be losing a ton of pieces on this defensive side of the ball. Yeah, yeah, they, didn't, the, they, didn't have, they didn't really have a good plan for it. want to remind you to go to sodastick.com to get your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. There are many great designs. Someone on Twitter recently sent their John Randall shirt, and there's the Can't Stop the Thielen hats, the Tech Mobile throwback shirt, and much more. All of their apparel is screen-printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. We're going to hook you up with free shipping on your next order. Use the code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. That's S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Soda Stick, original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. Code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. The other part of the calculation is that if you're going to make up for having a really bad defense, there's only one way to do it, and that's not an edge rusher from Jacksonville that you pay a second-round pick for. That is more offense. It really is like the only – and I know that this show sometimes turns into mash the offense button, just like more offense, more passing, but it really is the only way. If you look at the teams that um, succeeded through bad defenses, and Tennessee is you know the uh, best example. Now, Tennessee didn't throw a ton of passes. They did play from ahead more often. But when you look at their expected points added through the pass, just like San Francisco last year, a highly – efficient passing game that really drove their success. And then of course, having Derrick Henry helps a ton when you're up in games, but Tennessee finished the year fifth in terms of expected points added through the pass. The Vikings were 10th and that's the estimated by EPA number of points that's worth is 48 points over a season. If you give the Vikings 48 points over a season, they're making the playoffs this year and not Mm -hmm. sitting at home and and watching the playoffs. So, you know, I I guess I know that I kind of just lean on that a lot and we bring it up a lot, but if we're going down the the laundry list of when you were adding up the numbers, how are we going to get to the playoffs next year? That was maybe something that was missed. And you went into the season with a guard situation that wasn't good without a number three receiver, all these things that, that we've talked about. So that's kind of the miscalculation. And I just want to say to wrap up the point that I do appreciate Mike Zimmer saying that because I do too. I appreciate the transparency because I know that's not an easy thing to admit. You do only admit that if you, if you know your job is safe, that's just, that's, that's the bottom line there. You wouldn't have said that. And I get it. 
we're all in this to make sure that we have jobs and we're able to keep doing what we're doing and keep getting paid. I totally understand that. It's not something that he could, he he couldn't admit that. It's like this for anybody who gets frustrated and I get frustrated kind of with the ideology that like you couldn't, you could have probably ended up with the same result and traded some players at the deadline and help your cap situation, help build for next year. Yep. But if you commit to, Hey, we're going to, and I'm not going to call it tanking because that's not what it is. It's rebuilding. If we're going to commit to rebuilding, you're kind of handing in your pink slip at that point being like, if you're a GM, if you're a coach, if, I get it. I totally get it. I wish that it wasn't like that. I wish that owners could kind of see through to a long-term bu- like build of something great, but people want re- immediate results. Um, so that's why you can't openly say that. But I think that people would be a lot more appreciative of a forthcoming nature in sports by just kind of saying what it is instead of after the fact being like, yeah, what were we supposed to do? Our hands were tied this year. Be nice if we could hear that in the middle of the season, but I also understand reality and the optics behind not being able to do that. And that's why Mike Zimmer's postseason press conference is the best one or the most insightful because during the season, I mean, what's he going to say? You're playing the Lions and he's going to go, yeah, we screwed up the whole offseason, but, you know, I guess our guys will go fight for me against the Lions. I mean, I thought he pushed the limits of that this year to begin with, so I wouldn't expect it. I just thought it was a sort of a moment of clarity of like, okay, um, you know, this, uh, we, we tried to um, thread a very, very small needle and it didn't work. And now we've got to learn from that going forward. And the, the lesson is probably, hey, you know, if a guy shows you three years of sample size as a fourth round pick that he can't really handle a big role, you, you can't start the season with him in a big role. I mean, if he's got to take it on eventually down the road or whatever, okay, because that's life. But um, if you have five of those guys or six of those guys in a unit that are borderline NFL players, I mean, you're probably, no matter how good of a coach you are, probably not going to succeed. So you shouldn't make win-now moves. Um, that happens, but you shouldn't make moves to try to push for a seventh playoff spot or whatever. Like, you should be realistic about yeah. who you are. I agree. Um, well, it's a, it's a, and, and just to finish that point like pushing for the like you can you sacrifice too much sometimes pushing for the seventh playoff spot I think we can see that you know and that's why I talk about Dalvin Cook and the workload and you know Mike Zimmer is going to continue to reiterate that they want the best players on the field in critical moments of course but I feel like they they really were eyeing that seventh playoff seed so much so that you hope it doesn't cost you next year with any sort of injuries or anything that comes out of this um, that they got, you know, so locked into that and being like, do you really, I mean, what are you going to do with the seventh playoff seed? You're going to win games or are you just going to be in the dance and, you know, be happy to be there? Like that's, you got to weigh what's worth it and what's not. I totally, totally agree. And that's where, you know, I think they will look back as they have the 14th pick and say, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe a couple of those wins against Jacksonville and Carolina, they just didn't make a difference in the long run. Not that I wanted you to throw them like, hey, Kirk, throw a couple picks on purpose or something or, you mm-hmm. know, bench Kirk to play Mannion. Um, Philadelphia is taking a little heat from that um, with benching Jalen Hurts. So I'm not suggesting that that's a, a great plan if you want to stay as the head coach. Like you said, um, you start doing that, that's when your uh, career as the Vikings head coach is over, when you stop trying to win from a front office perspective perspective. I think that's where I look at it and say, somebody could use Riley Rafe if you're not going to use him in the future. Um, Tennessee could have. Remember that? 
Right. I mean, yeah, them in uh, Baltimore. Not that you want to trade with Baltimore anymore. You keep, keep losing Seriously. keep losing those trades. But, um, yeah, I mean, Tennessee was definitely the, the choice. Uh, but, you know, there's a, a handful of teams out there. Even Dallas was still in a race, and they needed a left tackle. And, you know, maybe they get it if uh, Riley Reef is their left tackle. So, yeah. um, Marwin Maloof is out. I have nothing to say about that other than, like, well, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, once – you can't necessarily, you know, you look at that and it wasn't just Dan Bailey this year. Like there were issues with the coverage units. I mean, you remember the lasting image I'll have is the screaming match. Uh, Mike Zimmer screaming at Marwan Maloof in Chicago week 10 when they kick a ball. Uh, they kick, The kickoff goes to Cordero Patterson and he returns it like 102 yards for a touchdown. As like, he does. As, as one does um, if you're Cordero Patterson. But I look at I look at that situation with special teams like their longest punt return this year was like somewhere between like 11 and 15 yards like they just didn't have any sort of like spark with special teams and the kicking issues compounded everything so I wasn't surprised to see that one at all but you know do you promote from within does Ryan Ficken finally get the chance that he probably should have gotten in 2019 I don't know um I mean Zimmer had stability on special teams with Mike Prefer here. Yeah, they had some kicking issues, but, you know, he never had an issue on the coaching staff for Prefer was here long before Zim was. So that's the thing that kind of, um, I, I don't know if you'll be able to achieve that stability as easily as you might think, because special teams can be very volatile. I also thought that the moment Marwin in a um, Zoom conference said that, you know, when Zimmer yells at him, he's going to yell back or whatever it was. Like, okay, well, this is. I don't back down from anybody. Yes, I don't back down from anybody. Like, okay, well, you're fired then. I mean, like, that was the moment it was over. I mean, I don't know why you'd say that about your head coach, but he said some things in those press conferences that made me think maybe he's a guy that shouldn't be doing press conferences. But uh, I am not, I don't know. I. I mean, I'm not willing to say that coaching was everything because personnel matters. And they've had guys like Stephen Weatherly in the past who played all the special teams or Eric Wilson, um, you know, who played all the special teams that were experienced and good at it. They didn't have too many of those guys this year. That played into it. Stop drafting punt returners. I mean, my gosh, stop drafting all these specialists. Um, yeah, that's that's the, the K.J. Osborne pick. Um, it handcuffs you into it. Into absolutely. No, agreed. And it handcuffs you into keeping a roster spot and then having to find to put either someone else on the practice squad or subject them to waivers. Like it just doesn't, it's just, I think it's, it's not the right strategy there. Like you can do this with your number four wide receiver, somebody you actually could use on offense, but also have them be your return specialist because you got the same result. You didn't get some like incredible punt returner in KJ Osborne. Right. I mean, hell he was, inactive for a couple games then he when he was act, active games down the stretch he didn't play like what yeah I, and yeah don't judge how someone's going to punt return the nfl by what they do in college i mean the, the college guys are moving at half speed in comparison i mean somebody sure. can look you see this with quarterbacks all the time the best example baker mayfield in college yeah it looks like a pretty good athlete he can kind of run around nfl nope he can't run around not a running quarterback not in any way shape or form the dudes are so much faster and that's the same case with kj osborne like wow he's punt returning pretty well in college i mean okay that doesn't mean really anything to the NFL, and they need to probably just 
kill that forever. Like stop drafting long snappers and kickers and punters. Like you're not good at it. It doesn't work out. It's pretty much never worked out. So use those pick on guards and hope that it works out with uh, somebody in the offensive line. Anyway, uh, the Gary Kubiak situation. Um, he may walk away. It certainly sounded like he wants to walk away when we talked to him last week. Mike Zimmer wants to keep the same scheme. Uh, he revealed yeah. that the other day. And I think he is very much right for doing it. I think it needs some adjustment. But I also think, like, hey, you're getting career highs out of Kirk Cousins and very good performances out of him. It's a great fit for him. And Zimmer even said that. Like, this system is a really good fit for Kirk Cousins. I strongly agree. I don't think you want to do anything to fundamentally mess with what you have. You want to build off of it. Yeah, no, I agree with you. But this is what happened last year in the press conference after the San Francisco game. He said, I don't want any changes. And that's paraphrasing. But everything was, I want to run this back the same way it was. And I agree with him. Do what your quarterback does best. Like, build an offense around him. For sure. I agree with all of that. But, you know, from Kirk's message on Sunday – which I know he was praising Justin Jefferson for being patient, but also I kind of read that as a cautionary, This just because you were great this year and got 1,400 receiving yards in effectively 14 games doesn't mean that it's going to change. So if you're expecting it, don't. Um, that's what I read from that. And then from what Mike Zimmer said, you know, he likes it the way it is. And so if you like it the way it is, probably the, the path of least resistance to replacing Gary Kubiak should he retire would be to hire Rick Dennison or to right. hire Clint Kubiak. Um, you know, somebody brought up the Jay Gruden idea to me. I mean, don't you remember what Jay Gruden said, like on Kirk Cousins' <laughs> way out of town in 2017 yes. about like being seven and nine and um, not getting the contributions you needed yes. from your quarterback it, uh, at the, the end? The quote was, uh, our record is reflective of our quarterback play. Yes. Yes, like, I don't think that's going to work. Um, and, yes, there's some other names that you could infer Zimmer might want to look into because either ties to him or through Parcells or, or what have you, like people he's coached with before. I get it. But I I don't expect any wholesale changes on offense, and I don't think that that's the right move. Personally, I don't. I think that they need to admit we need guard help. We need – to be able to fix the interior pass protection because it didn't get any better from a year ago. Mm. That's the thing. Like it's, they've been in the same spot where it's an issue and you need to be able to give Kirk cousins a clean and a healthy pocket in order for him to be successful. Of course, you're going to be like designing, you know, I've designed runs for him here and there because he's shown he can do it this year. He likes doing it, whatever. Um, and, you know, allow him to, to, you know, scramble from time to time. But also, I mean, the play actions, the bootlegs, the whole thing, changing where he throws the ball from, that's all important. But the pass protection to me, it's like when, when we talk about he's a top 10 quarterback from by PFF, he does all these things great. He has 35 touchdowns, a career high for himself this year. Um, if this is the best you're going to get out of Kirk Cousins, which is good, like that's good. They, they found that he's not the problem. But you have to fix certain things around him including the scheme, including becoming less predictable by not running the ball on second and long or second and short all the time where teams mm -hmm. are able to pick that up. Like that comes with changing some of the ideology in the offense. You don't have to run to set up the pass. That is such an antiquated way of playing football. You can still have a dynamic offense, an explosive offense with Dalvin Cook, but you don't need to be constantly running on first and second down. There's just – 
You don't need to be you can you can target Justin Jefferson before you get in panic mode in the third corner quarter. Right. Like you can. It's it's possible, but you know, I I really don't expect a whole ton of changes, even though there's reason to believe that there should be. I wonder about how candidates for this job, if Gary Kubiak does indeed announce he's retiring, how they would view it. Um, Clint Kubiak, of course, would want to take a step forward from being quarterback's coach to offensive coordinator, but someone like Anthony Lynn gets brought up. And I wonder, does Anthony Lynn want to come to a place that turns over offensive coordinators a lot? Does, uh, someone brought up Todd Downing to me. He was here in 2018, but he's been, I don't think so. I think that Todd was not retained on the, on Zimmer's staff. Um, in 2018, he was, he was allowed to go. I mean, right. he was part of the Filippo group, and I think that he aligned more with John than he did with Mike, and I don't think Todd Downing would be coming back here. Just putting that out there. The, yeah, the interesting part of Todd Downing, and I, I have to check on this, but someone on Twitter brought him up only because he's working for Tennessee now, and that's kind of interesting that he's working. Yeah, he's working for Tennessee. So that's kind of interesting yeah, yeah. because it's the it's the same type of system, the play action and things like that, and there would be familiarity. Hard to say, like, who has what relationship and things like that when it comes to former assistants. Um, uh, Rich Scangarello is another guy who was the quarterback coach for Kyle Shanahan in um, San Francisco, and he was briefly the offensive coordinator for the Broncos. Who knows how that goes? Um, it doesn't look like the Broncos are making huge changes, but, boy, it would have been funny if Pat Shermer ended up back here, right, if they had decided. I know. I had a, I had a couple of people ask me, like, can they yeah. get Shermer back? I was like, <laughs> honestly, I think Zim would love that. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I definitely would. I mean, they ran the ball successfully. They did play action. They got the most out of their quarterback. It, it would be a fit for a lot of those guys, and, and there's great respect for him, but I don't see anything like that. So um, it will be very interesting if he decides to retire because the, I think they would have to make that decision fairly quickly to get into off-season mode and you know see where this thing can go. So um, was there anything else for you before we play a little game um, that came away from that final press conference, the, the eulogy of the 2020 season before we move on. Um, was, was there anything else that stuck out to you? I just think the, the idea that they're going to be back to, back to the basics or back to, back to normal once they get Barr, Kendricks, Hunter, and Pierce back. I don't think it's going to be as seamless as that. I really don't. And let's, let's be clear. Kendricks missed five games. He didn't right. miss the whole season. Yeah. Like, I just wish that that would have been over 800 snaps. He played. Yeah. Like he, whatever. Um, if you want to lump him in, lump him in. It doesn't make sense to me. So there's, I, I have pause on this. I mean, yes, in theory, you should be able to be a good defense next year when you have those players back in theory. In theory, Unique Ngakwe makes this defense better when you think about, oh, they will have Daniil Hunter, or even if he is, you know, if it comes back in a couple games and you have, you know, two safeties on the back end. In theory, they should be able to, two veterans should be able to help the cornerbacks. In theory, the linebacker should be the cor- uh, the strongest part of this defense this year. In theory, this defense should be- still be top 10 in efficiency. There's all these things that look great on paper, and the idea of healthy guys coming back who you have trusted in the past in uh, somebody that you signed in free agency who you think a lot of clearly, that should all, you know, lead to good things. But I also have a little bit of just like, I want to put a little bit of pause on that because that makes me think that it might just be a little too, a little too positive on it in a way, if that makes sense. 
I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive a personal cover. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all listening platforms. The best part is you can get all of this for $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge for an initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that wants to grow, Hustle is an open door leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance in the program is limited, so get your application in today. Go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box to find out more. That's bwhustle.com slash join. you're talking about the lessons that you learn from 2020, I mean, one of them is you have to have a backup plan because stuff goes wrong in football seasons. It's just, it's going to happen to you. Um, not always does it mean your best players out for the season, uh, like Daniel Hunter being out, but uh, at the same time, will somebody get hurt next year? Yeah, pr- probably guess that that happens. I mean, and the, and the same thing goes for the offense is, you know, you really had Daniil Hunter as your meal ticket for the defense being decent again. And, and you know, Anthony Harris and uh, you, you expected him to play better. You expected your linebackers to stay fully healthy. Um, but it was just resting on one or two people to be great uh, or even good. And with the offense, it's kind of the same way. Now, that always exists with the quarterback. But set him aside, it's really resting on two guys, two wide receivers and one running back to be great again next year as they were great this year. And so do you have a backup plan for that? Uh, They do it running back. They never use them, but at least they have it. With wide receiver, do you have it right now? Absolutely not, right? No, and I don't don't know what that's going to take. Like, um, I really don't. It's not there on the roster, and you just don't have the depth for it. Right. And, uh, the, you know, the money to spend, we're going to find out soon enough, uh, how much exactly cap space they have and things like that. Cause now it's just guesses. And at the moment, uh, it's not a ton, but that might change to be a little bit more. So, uh, let's play a game before we wrap up. I just want to play too harsh or nah, uh, because, well, for one reason, I think you and I have had a lot of this where people tweet us that we're, um, too negative about this season, which is odd to me. Um, I guess I would just say I'm as negative as the point differential. Like if they were plus a hundred points, I don't think we'd be breaking down the things that went wrong on the defensive side, but they're not. Um, so that's part of it. Uh, you were 11th in offense. That's okay. Um, you don't hang a banner for being 11th in offense. Like that's not that great. It's okay. It's not that great. So there's things to change. There's things to improve. Um, so I, I guess that's, that's part of me wanting to play this. The other part is on the other side, my Twitter every day, I won't even be on Twitter and I'll open it up three hours later and it'll be five people saying fire Mike Zimmer, fire Kirk Cousins into the sun. So there's this, there's this wide gap and I'm sure that you found it as well between the people who think everything's great and this team's going in an awesome direction. And then the people who think if you don't blow this up right now, you're never going to win anything. It's kind of fascinating. No, I mean, there's – it's a complete 
scales the spectrum, like, of one side to the other, where Kirk Cousins has never done anything wrong, he's not the problem, you people are idiots, to Kirk is the worst quarterback ever, and they're never going to win a Super Bowl with him, and this whole team's a joke, burn it to the ground, start over. Like, where's the happy medium? Where are you people at? I want to know <laughs> where you people are and what your opinions are. Maybe you're just not voicing them. So uh, 22nd in uh, point differential, by the way. For this year, sure. You know, I mean, that's that's what, what you expect, though. Because here, yeah. one thing I'll just say this before we play the game, and I want the game to be funny or fun. So, uh, you know, I'll just get off this in a second. But um, I don't think that it's um, well. I think that it's insulting to anyone to lie to them. Like if if we're breaking down how this went, and I tell you, no, it's great. If they had Hunter, they'd be you know, 14 and two, that's, that's what's the, you know, that's a one player, your intelligence. Yeah. I mean, there's not, you can't tell me a defensive end is going to change everything that much. Not at all. Like you can, I mean, if you had a, if you had a pass rush, that's different than saying one player on the defensive line was going to fix all your problems. So I just want to say that uh, the reason that I tell you the truth is because I, I love you people and respect you. Um, we care. <laughs> we, we do. That's, that is, that's the job. I mean, I just – it's so odd to me when I see people call, you know, this season good or decent or commendable. It's like, man, you know, you 22nd in point differential and your wins came against Detroit twice, Houston, Carolina – yeah, I'm sorry, man. This did not go. It didn't go the way Mike Zimmer expected or the general manager or Las Vegas or the fans or the journalists or anyone. And then to say that it was all fine because there were a few injuries. I, you know, that's to me, that's, that's uninteresting for one. It's just boring to be like, oh, well, yeah, that's, that's the reason. So hang up the podcast, but it's also just not the truth. Like there's a lot of things that we went through that, um, you know, Zimmer admitted to miscalculating. So anyway, I just get, get, get that off my chest. Uh, so um, too harsh or nah, the people that think that you will never win with Mike Zimmer as long as he is the head coach too harsh or nah from those people on Twitter. Well, I mean, that's, it's a blanket statement. I'll say it's probably too harsh. I mean, I'm probably more in the middle there, though, because I think that – and I'm not saying that Mike Zimmer can't win you Super Bowl. I just think that this team has reached its ceiling in certain respects and that unless you have some changes, whether it's to your decision makers about how to construct this team, whether it's the philosophies that you're executing on offense or defense, or whether it's personnel, like I don't know if this team – this team certainly cannot win a Super Bowl right now. It's just going to depend what the pieces that they bring in. But what is the focus and the priority going to be from the head coach? That's going to tell you whether or not they can win a Super Bowl with him. I think that it's too harsh. But I don't know that this particular situation fits Mike Zimmer as well as it did a couple of years ago. Sure. That's that's the way I would put it. Is um, in 2016 even, going into 2017 – I felt pretty confident that they'd be real good uh, because they had just so many good players. And we came out of camp thinking like, well, this team has got a chance. We didn't think 13 and three, but this team's got a chance to be really good. And uh, it was built on a defense. It was his guys and it was so much talent. It was pro bowlers at every level on defense. And it was an offense that had two great wide receivers. 
And, you know, now there's a lot still to go here on defense. And I think that if you want to build to win first with defense, you're a ways away from that. So the fit at this moment is not a good one. Can you make it a good one? And that's what we're going to find out. So it's a complicated issue, but I'm, I'm going to go too yeah. harsh. Uh, too harsh or nah, the Vikings need to move on from Kirk Cousins because they have um, – solidified their fate as a seven and nine or eight and eight team in the future. As long as he is the quarterback, they need to move on from him. If you don't, and I'll say it's not too harsh. If you don't improve the defense enough to where, because you have differing points of view here, what Mike Zimmer wants to do in order to win games is probably very different from how other people, how other offensive minded people think where, you know, offense goes out, scores a lot of points, does their best. And this offense show that it can score at will with other teams. Like, I think that's a really good takeaway. Mike Zimmer said it's the most explosive offense he's had since he's been here. There are stats to back that up. There's other ones that, I mean, there were other times this offense was quite explosive. But that's just, you know, not what the subject we're talking about is. Nonetheless, you can win with Kirk, but everything else, you've got to factor in the defense has to be at a certain level in order for that to happen. They've got to be able to pull out stops. They've got to be able to force more turnovers to give the offense a better shot. Like, that's what that is. So I'd say it's probably too harsh if you're just basing it on the way that Kirk's playing because Kirk can win you a game or two in the playoffs. Can he win you a Super Bowl? I don't I don't know. But, like, I think that you can win with Kirk. But you have to fix your defense first. You have to fix parts of your offensive line. You can't keep neglecting certain things and saying, okay, well, we got Kirk. We're going to be fine. Um, that's just not going to work that way. I think that uh, what we saw in 2019 was a good example of why it's too harsh and why it's not too harsh. I mean, he was by PFF, the fifth best quarterback in the NFL. They win a playoff game. They have a good defense. They've got a good running game. They've got receivers and an offense that's very good. And you even felt like, boy, if you added a little bit of extra meat on the offensive line that Kirk could have gotten them maybe a little deeper in the playoffs, but the roller coaster that is Kirk Cousins throughout a season, I was just looking at the distribution of his PFF grades and QBR, and it's always the same. It's always a couple of great games, a couple of bad games, and a lot of games in the middle where it's determined by whether you fumble a punt or not, or whether you play great defense or not. And so I think that you can both look at many other things on a roster and say, well, this is why it didn't happen. This is why it didn't happen. But then say, but is he good enough to make up for any of that stuff? So how perfect do you need it to be? And we end up in almost a Case Keenum situation where it has to be all right in line like it was in 2017 for a quarterback who's expensive. So it's I think it's both harsh uh because it's unfair to him as a player that he's a that he had a very good season and overall you know like you said 10th best quarterback in the league he's consistently in that ballpark but also um not too harsh in the reality of the Super Bowl depends on what yeah. you're looking through it I guess right mm-hmm. and what level you expect him like do you expect him to be a consistent playoff winner I, this team is not built to win a Super Bowl and I know that I've talked about this on the pod before I don't know if that's the ultimate goal. I really don't because the move, a lot of the moves don't reflect it. And, yeah, that's probably harsh. People would be like, wow, we should throw too harsh at you, Courtney, for saying that. But <laughs> um, I don't think that this current group, the way that it's formed right now, can win a Super Bowl. I really don't. But Kirk Cousins, if in the right situation with the right philosophy and the right supporting cast around him, can do that. 
but it's it's got to be so perfect. And I just it's so hard to form a perfect team in the NFL. It just is. Yes, it is. And uh, they do it like once a decade, pretty much. Right. Ninety eight, two thousand nine, yeah. two thousand seventeen. So I guess this means twenty twenty six that's following. OK, that. That was cheesy. It's a long ways away. It is, yeah, and maybe that's how it will go. Um, so I think the answer on all of these things is usually it's complicated. It goes beyond just is it way too harsh. Uh, so I'll give you a one um, sort of fun one. Too harsh or not, nah, Dan Bailey should just pack his things. <laughs> it's just like, sorry, Dan, uh, it's over. Because I saw – I mean, people were actually being legitimately mean about Dan Bailey on Twitter. I'm like, come on, guys. I mean – it's when somebody's got a proven long career and has something yeah. wrong, uh, that's not okay. To me, it's okay if it's uh, a schmuck who comes into training camp and isn't any good or somebody who's proven nothing in the league. Maybe. Or a punter-kicker combo who comes yeah. in and actually right. got a gift right. of football. Somebody then... who has never played a game and has his own T-shirt. Goofy stuff that we've seen in the past where, <laughs> hey, go nuts, right? That guy doesn't. He hasn't earned his respect. Someone like Dan exactly. Bailey is the best kickers of all time. Like, give give the yeah. man his respect. So I'll just answer that one. I think you're being too harsh, and I think he should be in a kicking competition next year. But let's not assume that the guy is done because uh, the minute you do that and you get on the kicker carousel, sometimes you never get off. And I mean, they've been on that for a couple of years now, right? Like, this was last year was supposed to be the year that everything was fine, and it was. That's you know, for all intents and purposes, it's the reason that. Bailey and Colquitt got three-year extensions, syncing them both up to be here beyond this season. While I think it's too harsh to boot him out right now, to say don't come back, like, you know, yeah, you could save a little bit against the cap, but it's also just kind of, you know, short-sighted. Like, have a kicking competition, bring somebody else in, don't draft a kicker, don't do something stupid like that. Like, sign a free agent, you can you can manage. Um, but have a kicking competition and go from there. Like, if you can't figure it out from that point on, then it's a bigger issue. But he's also dealing with a back injury. Like, who knows how long the back has actually been bugging him for um, in terms of, you know, the health and, and how that has affected his kicking operation. Mike mm-hmm. Zimmer said he got injured in New Orleans. We really don't know what happened. He couldn't explain it, what happened against Tampa Bay and what happened against Jacksonville, and then obviously this last game against Detroit. So who knows? If Dan Bailey just needs a couple of months off, needs to kind of clear his head, needs to work on the mentals, I don't know. But we'll find that that answer in training camp because I think you should at least keep him around through August. Yep, yep. I totally agree that you know if he gets it back together that he is one of the better kickers in the NFL. And it was really just a small – it wasn't like a full season issue. It was just like this – I don't know, light switch went off or something with Dan Bailey. So I think I think people are being uh, a much too harsh there. So there you go, a, a positive note for Dan Bailey that we end on um, and plenty to come. And I, I think we should uh, get started pretty soon on our draft simulations, free agents. I saw PFF put out their top 100 free agency list. It is time. It is time for the offseason. And we're actually going to do this right now on a seven-hour podcast. So off we go. Re- no, I'm just kidding. Um, but we will uh, we'll get into all of that. So uh, as always, appreciate uh, your time, Courtney, and the full breakdown. And I am looking for some Courtney R. Draft Scout maybe as soon as next week. I mean, she's ready to go. She's been grinding some tape, getting ready to watch national championship game, trying to figure right. out if the Jets are going to take Devontae Smith. You know, she's just trying to figure out what the next steps are. Oh, it would be so If she gets ready to draft scout. 
It'd be so jetsy to take a receiver to help Sam Darnold as opposed. I mean, if you're if you're not ready to move on from Sam Darnold, I totally understand it. But yeah. it just depends kind of what you want to do. If you, yeah. if you if you assume that the coach you brought in broke the quarterback, <laughs> you could bring somebody <laughs> else in to fix him. So. Well, there is the, the Ryan Tannehill thing who played for Adam. Gates, yeah, of so course. You never do know. I, I give everybody who's played Ryan, uh, who's played for Adam Gates, the benefit of the doubt until proven <laughs> otherwise. I'll never forget Mike Zimmer saying that Adam Gates basically didn't scheme against them. And he was like, oh, they did things I don't even understand what they were doing. And was like, oh, okay, in uh, in 2018. So anyway, well, thanks for your time, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.